Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right. Back with the, enough about me. Uh, Richard Deitch will be on here in a few minutes. The uh, I was going to say the Sports Illustrated media columnist. He was forever. Um, <clears throat> he's now with The uh, Athletic. And when I decided to... Uh, announced I was leaving uh, EEI and going to Radio.com back in November. Uh, I reached out to Richard and said, I'll come on with your podcast if you want. And, and I came on with him, and he did great. he'll talk about that. We start the podcast talking about that. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he um, and he was good. I mean, I, you know, he's always been uh, uh, fair to me. We, we got into some Aaron Andrews stuff way, way back, but then we talked on the phone, I remember, and we've had a pretty good relationship since then. I always like him. He's smart. He's funny. He totally gets it. Actually, a good conversation with him, although it, I don't know if it was his phone line or ours, fucked up. It broke down like three or four times. So uh, our producer here, Mark Moroso, has been doing a great job filling in the interim. We'll have to uh, put that stuff together. Uh, so, yeah, we talked to Richard about basically everything. It's actually a, a pretty wide-ranging conversation about what's going on in media, and it gets crazier and crazier and crazier. You know, over this weekend, uh, and I'm taping this on uh, a Monday morning, uh, Monday the, what is it, the 18th, um, this Howard Stern thing, I don't know if you guys are familiar with it or not. Now, obviously, Stern's somebody I idolize. I mean, I just grew up listening to all the time. Um, Wendy Williams, I guess, who's the, the, you know, she's like a daytime talk, talk show host, criticized Stern. The old, the stuff I rip him for, everyone rips for, he's a sellout. He's pathetic. He's just an ass kisser. He has his new book coming out. And she said, I'll get it, but I'm sure it's going to suck. He's just going to kiss, you know, the ass of whoever, all the stars, ass kiss. He kisses. And Stern uh, played it, that sound on the air. Um, and I didn't listen. I don't listen to Stern much anymore. The new Stern on Sirius, I really don't. But Stern went fucking ballistic on her. I saw it only because Stuttering John uh, from the old Stern show tweeted it out because, and I'll tell you why in a second. Uh, so I found it on YouTube and Stern, it was vintage. It was almost like, you know, Stern went back in a time machine. It was like seeing Springsteen from 78 in front of you or Larry Bird from, from 86 playing basketball in front of you or something. It was crazy. Uh, and I mean, was calling Wendy Williams every word in the book, called her the C word like 15 times, suggested she urinate standing up, called her a rock face, I think. I don't even know what the fuck that means. I mean, it just went in like you, and it was clearly angry. Um, and the audio was not available on Sirius. Sirius, which is a satellite paid service, took it down. Uh, and this, which the Stern fans then went crazy and said, you're a sellout, you're a pussy, what the fuck's going on? Uh, and, you know, I don't know, but I think we're now in a world where if you're paying, paying, this is not FCC, if you're paying for something on satellite, they're going to start taking that stuff down now? When you know, You're going to find it anyway. I, I just, I, this stuff is endless to me. It, it's it, We're in a world that's moving so fast in this weird direction of bury shit, hide stuff, get it away. Uh, I don't know, but you know, go look that up. I'll tweet it out. It's on, um, it's on YouTube. And Stuttering John, who you know, I don't want to get too deep into the Stern family weeds here, 
uh, left Stern, went to Jay Leno, and they've kind of feuded sort of semi-famously since then, uh, tweeted out that Howard Stern should be fired from Sirius for this rant. So you now have somebody who's been in the radio business for whatever, he's been in it for 30 years, suggesting that somebody should lose their job for what they say on a paid service. I mean, you know, there's some bitterness there, obviously. I reached out to him, by the way. I'm going to check right now uh, to see if he wanted to come on uh, and, and talk about this. He has not responded. Uh, Stuttering John has not. So if the, if the Minute fans want to uh, bludgeon him with tweets asking why he won't come on, I'd appreciate that because I think he would then uh, maybe reach out and come on. I emailed him uh, over the weekend. Emailed a bunch of people over the weekend, actually. I think it's going to be an interesting week here. Uh, of shows on, on, on the uh, on the podcast. Uh, Portnoy tomorrow I'm going to tape, so you'll get him on Wednesday. You're going to get Deech on Tuesday when you're listening to this now. Um, and a couple of other ones uh, lined up uh, for the rest of the week. So you get three or four this week. Um, we have hired a producer. We'll announce that uh, later on in the week as well. Paperwork is done. Uh, the Minahan Show uh, has a producer. Right now it's a Minahan podcast. It'll be a show, I think, here soon. Although I'm not going to lie, I've had people come up to me. I've seen tweets who say I'm enjoying the podcast. I'm enjoying a daily sort of hour hit. Um, You know, I'm listening to this as opposed to listening to this or that or something else. And I think I'm going to just have people on I want to have on. Um, I like Deech. You know, I like talking about sports media. Um, Portno, I think tomorrow will be interesting. Some stuff I want to go over with him. And then one or two other ones I said as the week goes on. So uh, that's sort of the the status, uh, status, 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 we. Uh, right now as the uh, show goes on. But that Stern thing over this weekend was totally mind-blowing to me. I could not believe it. Um, absolutely stunned. Although I guess in the in the Stern world, there's this woman, Marcy Tuck, I guess, who has sort of taken over Stern's career professionally and has been the one who has moved him away uh, from being this sort of, you know, wild man that he was in his 30s and 40s to the softer, gentler, America's Got Talent, Friends with Ellen, Friends with uh, Rosie O'Donnell, friends with, you know, name your celebrity, Stern, you know. Um, It's easy to criticize Stern, and I I criticize him because he's meant so much to me. But uh, I could see professionally why he does it. But it was, in a way, uplifting to hear a rant like that, to know that that guy who, you know, that's the kind of rant, you know, whether you approve in language or not. And I want to get into Sword and Scale podcast stuff later on this week, too, because this is something that I'm trying to get the host of that podcast on. Another guy who lost his job uh, because of advertisers. Um, If you don't like that language and it's on satellite radio, don't pay the money. Cancel your subscription. Easy. Or listen to the 5,000 other channels on Sirius. Uh, Or listen to a podcast. Or listen to sports talk, if that's what you want to hear. Knock yourselves out. So, I don't know. It's a crazy time right now, getting crazier. I hope to dig into it a little more this week. Richard Deitch, who I think is, you know, uh, always an entertaining guest. Uh, we figured out the phone line stuff, I guess. So we'll see. It's going to be work for the producer here to stitch this together. But Richard joins me right now on Enough About Me. Oh, did Jerry Callahan piss and moan that next morning when uh, I, he found out that I went on uh, Richard's podcast to break the news that I was leaving. He was... So fucking pissed off. What's what's the what is this? The Athletic, the Atlantic. Why? What's going on? He was not happy. Not happy. First of all, Kirk, good to be with you. Oh, you uh, oh of, co- of course. I'm sorry. Same same to you as always. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Trying to set the dialogue for your, yeah, pilot, you for your podcast. <laughs> of, my, um, of my pretend city. Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah, you should have uh, should have told Jerry it was the Atlantic. That really would have pissed me. <laughs> oh, but I not. will say, I will say this. Um, in my little small corner of the podcast universe, um, there's never been more. Uh, how do I phrase? I, I think anticipation for a podcast that I did um, than yours. Um, you know, I've had I've had a couple that have been listened to more for sure, but never the amount of like intensity and fervor. Because there were so many people in Boston who uh, who wanted to know. I started getting you know some of your fans and also some of your detractors like saying this is conspiracy theory. You know I'm not releasing the tape. I mean it was getting like the. Oh, I remember that. Which, yes, that, that that's which, right. Which was, which was great. Yeah, and then eventually it came out and uh, and uh, yeah. First of all, I appreciate you coming on. I thought it was a forum where you could really just expand and go along. And while I hear what Jerry's saying. You know, I don't know. You're not going to get an hour and 20 minutes straight on WEEI. They have commercial obligations and other stuff. So well, I didn't have a lot. Uh, I didn't have a lot so of interest in, in going to W. Like you know, it wasn't a, a big. You know, I would rather give it to you. I didn't really have any desire to give them anything. I forget. Like, w- w- did we talk? People, people, that- if you remember, if you remember right, people thought what you were going to do was going to come on and go scorched earth. Right. Um, and that wasn't necessarily the podcast. So you know, again, like. People accusing me, like, am I am I on the WEI payroll? Uh, no, I'm not on the WEI payroll. But there I mean, was, but the there guest, was some. The guest is going to give the guest what what, what the guest is going to do. But I'm just trying to think, because it was like it's six months ago, or whatever. There was some yeah, reason wow. why, there was some intermarriage that led you to dropping it later than you wanted to, though, right? Or am I wrong? So, yeah, the the podcast company asked me, uh, if I remember correctly, the the podcast company determines when the podcast is released. And they released it a little later, and I think they probably released it a little later because you were a um, you're a hot button topic. The the Cadence Thirteen, my podcast company, has a relationship with Entercom, but no one ever changed anything on editorial. I mean, you could no, no, confirm no. this now. Right. Nothing. There was nothing that we talked about that didn't air. Um, you know, this is what happens when you know corporate people get involved. They get a little squeamish. They try to sort of figure out everything, but to certainly, at least in my end, to Cadence 13's credit, they released it, and they didn't edit it. They also know, if they edited anything, I would have walked. I mean, I, you can't work for a place um, with that kind of relationship, and if they start editing your podcast, you stay. You just That's just not how it right. works. Once, once, also, right. once you give into yeah, that, even an inch, you're dead. You know, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Then, then it's not my podcast anymore, so everything you heard was, uh, was on there. You can certainly complain about the interview, but um, but you were unfiltered. Nothing was um, nothing was censored. And yeah, if I remember right, I wish it just. I I think it came out about twelve hours after I wanted it to come out. But uh, but people listened to it. People seemed to uh, really appreciate your honesty. And like I told you that I wasn't bullshitting you. There's just it's just very rare to hear people in the sports media talk honestly about mental health, particularly their own. And that stuff saved lives, at least in my opinion. And again, I'm bias here my my mom's a therapist so i'm i grew up in that world but it it, it has meaning because men don't men don't do it a lot and even especially when professional athletes do it it has real real impact because i think guys see that and they're like you know hey man i'm not alone if kevin love or demar DeRozan is talking about this stuff well i'm not you know i'm i'm immodest but i i i i would have to say i have saved i've said this before probably tens of thousands of lives to say i'm the oscar schindler <laughs> of radio is really not an overstatement that's, I mean, the I, I've not heard the tagline, the Oscar Schindler of 
of radio. That's a good 2019 slogan for you. <laughs> it's, uh, a, it's a grabber. Yeah. Right? Well, I will say this. I, I guarantee, whether it's tens of thousands or not, I guarantee you probably got some people to think. Oh, no question. I mean, yeah, the feedback I got. Important. Right. The fee- I, I, I was amazed. I might even said this in our interview, and we'll get to the other stuff in a second. Uh, the, the, the amount of emails I got at the beginning were crazy and still get from people, from guys who listen to me who are 45 years old and have a couple of kids and work a job. And it still is the last sort of, you know, male stigma. I think it's still the last thing that guys are sort of embarrassed to talk about. For some, I, I, agree. I have, yeah, no, I have I, no I idea right. why anymore, really, but it, this is it. Well, it's, it, unfortunately, it, it still floats back to generations before that. You know, if right. you were in your 40s, you had a, you know, you had a parent, if they're still alive, obviously they're likely in their 70s. But that generation, particularly of men, was like it was a weakness to sort of talk about any kind of uh, well. Think of what their dads were. Think of what their dads were like, You know? Yeah, impossible. Yeah, I can't even imagine. Like it's 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 inconceivable to me to think about what my mother's grandfather sort of could have thought about all this stuff because just it was never discussed. Uh, I mean, Kirk, we're not so far removed. Like people like going in. Like if you say, hey, I'm I'm feeling down or I'm feeling blue. Like they give you shock treatment. Like we're like right. fifty, we're only forty years like removed from that. Correct. It's insane how medieval this country was on all that shit. But yeah, I think it still is the last frontier because uh, you know men talk about sex publicly, they talk about I think money publicly. I mean that's it. It's really that's kind of like the last bastion, and it will change. By the way, the, yes. the one yeah. cool thing is the the twenty year old, the fifteen year old, the twenty five year old guy. The, the stigma is not there, and I think people are. Uh, People are not as um, I don't know what the word is, but they're 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 okay to sort of talk about that because again, I think just they've seen more of this publicly. I would actually add again, I realize it's not the sort of the subject of your podcast, but the United States is so far behind just in terms of mental health uh, resources and education. And I hope it's probably not going to happen in our lifetime, but I do hope a hundred years from now, like that stuff, like is thought about the same way, like cancer the flu like because it, it is a health issue and one that affects as many people as all these other health issues what do you what is your take on so you know obviously a big reason why i left is because of this activist bob murchison what he did you just saw i'm sure the sword and scale podcast where he was taken down by a couple of people who are contacting advertisers we see it with tucker carlson we try we saw the attempt to enjoy read it happens all over the place just as somebody, I understand. Obviously, you're, you're you know you're you're left leaning first of all, but secondly, <laughs> mem- secondly, a member of the media. What do you think about this? I mean, what is your take? When does it end? Is there a tipping point? It seems right now this culture war, and I do believe if Hillary Clinton was, had beat Donald Trump, I think the anger from these activists would have been lessened. They wouldn't be doing this stuff. But where do you think? First of all, a what do you think of it? And b when does it end? Uh, well, first off, the stuff in Boston, I, I honestly, I just, I'm not up to speed on that. I mean, I know that you had a, a guy who um, uh, disliked you, was calling sponsors, et cetera. I, yeah, I, I just don't mean, really know I much. just mean bigger picture, you know. Yeah, I don't know much about the latest with, with Murchison. Mer- yeah, Murchison, yes. Murchison, okay. Um, in terms of the bigger picture, uh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, if you, have you, where does it end? Well, I mean, well, have you we done are, it? Are, hold on, hold on, Richard. Have you done right. it from your, from your little, you know, your little Twitter spot, which is obviously a lot of politics, which is good. I like that. You're passionate, but from your spot, have you have you retweeted somebody? Have you said, "Hey, go after Tucker Carlson. I go after this person." 
Uh, I've certainly t- retweeted when I think uh, somebody has sort of said something. I guess I'm not. I'm not. First of all, as a general rule, I, especially when it comes to the media stuff, um, I'm not one to generally fire or suspend anybody when it comes to things that they say. I mean, you can even go back and look at my Twitter on uh, Kurt Schilling. I didn't think he should be suspended. Certainly right, for the first right. couple. Um, I, I'm. How do I, where, do, where, where do I stand? I think the public has a right to um, to be to, – to, how do I say this? To vote with their wallet. So I think the public absolutely has power in terms of if they do not like what a particular person is saying, and if it, if it goes over a certain line, and that's like where this thing gets interesting because like what is the line, the public has the power to – uh, not to pay for or not to consume the advertisers of a show. Where it gets a little tricky, obviously, of course, is the whole sort of notion of sort of free speech, who controls that, and when an activist is doing something not necessarily for any reasons other than uh, their own selfish reasons. So where do I stand? I think you got to take it on honestly like a, like a, like a case-by-case basis. I will say, though, that the, the, the power that the public honestly has at the end of the day is the only – and you know this from working the media, and I know this. The only thing, generally speaking, corporations and media bosses listen to involves economics and money. No and the question. only way you could really hurt somebody is to get – is to try to go after their sponsors. It, almost anything – there's almost nothing else as a general rule uh, that works. What, what, a lot of what Tucker Carlson says totally disgusts me. Would I, uh, would I like, walk – outside uh demanding he get off the air no i would not what's what's interesting to me is so you say the general public but what but what it turns out to be oftentimes i'm not sure if you're familiar with the sword and scale story this podcast i'm not where so so essentially two other podcasters did what what happened sort of to me and jerry is they targeted a bunch of sponsors so it wasn't it's like the general public is you know five thousand people oftentimes it could be one or two people that just bludgeon sponsors to the point where they just say i can't deal with this shit anymore but that's up to. In oh, that case, of course, that's when, of course. That's when, that's when you hope sponsors will right step up, not be impacted, and sort of toe the line. You know, it's one thing. You know, it's at, at least with the Carlson thing. Um, from just my reading, I think a lot of the, the sponsors on their own decided to pull. It wasn't necessarily a coordinated, yeah. coordinated campaign. They made decisions. In your situation here, again, you would hope that whoever the the company is. They ultimately make a decision on what their comfort level is and what's best, what's best for them. Um, but listen, activism on all sides, it it's, you know, it, it can be very very tough to to push back. And that's not just a left leaning thing. That, that's 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 centrist and right leaning. I mean, you know, we got lobbyists all over this country uh, in terms of being able to push stuff. And and particularly now in today's politicized environment, there's a lot of pressure. Did Schefter is Schefter owned what whatever he meant when he said that it was a bigger name than Kraft on this list? No, he has not, from what I understand, ever come out publicly and uh, clarified what he meant by that. Now, I don't really want to play the speculation game because obviously we have seen some big names sort of tangentially associated. Well, I mean, obviously the obviously the president's connected. Yeah, you know, but that's I mean, again, I'm right. no no Trump lover, but like. I, it, it, it would seem to be a little implausible to think that that's what Adam Schefter was uh, referring to. What, um, you know, he, 
again, a lot of times this happens with – and again, I actually like Schefter a lot. I think he's a very good reporter. But this happens with Schefter, Rappaport. I'm sure it's happened with me too. Is you, 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 when you tweet something out, you can couch the word a little bit. So if you end up being wrong, you could sort of say, hey, you know, I didn't say it absolutely or definitively. I, uh, you know, I said this might happen. This has happened. But Schefter did on this one say a source told me that there's a bigger name. So in this case, for him, the out could be I got bad sourcing. The source didn't know it. But I think, again, I, I, Adam has not commented on this. I think if he was going to be honest, I absolutely think he would not have done it. What? He he clearly he was talking. I feel like he was talking extemporaneously. Yes. On a Sports Center hit, he gave up something that was really juicy that he knew, and then he was like, "I'm sure when he sort of thought about it, he was like, holy fuck, like this is a much bigger story than I realized.' You know, when you're Adam Schefter or Adrian Wojnarowski, Peter King, etc., like anything you say, particularly online, that's a national story. Um, I don't know what that's like. But like for those guys, you do I think in that situation, you always gotta like remember like the second you say something, that is not just like local news, that's national news. And in the in the the bigger name one, um, yeah, I, I, if I had to guess, I'm, I'm not I'm not sure that's ever gonna come to fruition. And I'm sure if you're Schefter and ESPN, you just want it to go away. What's weird, you know? It, so we we had some fun. He was came on with us a lot. He's always been good. Whenever we want him, he called. Yeah. He, we get him on. He's, he's great. Good. He's very good with that. Yeah, and you know we made fun of him a lot because he said the Patriots wouldn't trade Garoppolo for four first round picks. And again, <laughs> he said that on on TV. He didn't tweet that out. So I think sometimes he gets caught up in the moment. I could totally see that happening. Yeah, the one thing here's the thing: we've all been burned by this. Like you know, you you want to get information out like so quick, and you'll tweet something out. And like it's not a hundred percent. Like you know, you're, you're not you're not you're not sending out something that's dishonest or for what you believe to be inaccurate. But like just stories change and things happen, and that's not like a permanent record. Where in the old days, you know, if you're Schefter in 1992 working on the Denver Post, you, know, you write something, then you talk to your editor, and you at least have a sounding board who's like, you know what, Adam, I don't think you got this a hundred percent. Let's like wait a day and make sure that we totally have it, and then it never goes out. The way like that individual tweet goes out, but we've—I mean, I'm putting myself in there. We've all put something out there where, you know, you're—you think you have the hundred percent the story, and maybe you got ninety-five percent. Where you obviously don't want to be is you don't ever want to be in a situation like Morton was in, right. where you get really bad sourcing on a really important story to a lot of people, and you put something out there, and it's out there forever. I'm stunned. I am—if you had told me a year, a year and a half ago. Uh, when this all started, how minimally the Me Too movement has hit professional sports, A, the media, B, you know, the owners, obviously, you know, Richardson, but, you know, how minimally it's been, I would have been shocked. I I wait every day. I expect to see Ronan Farrow attacking the world of professional sports, whether it's, you know, the media, whether it's uh, owners, whether it's players. I, I have to admit, I am shocked at how little has come out of it. It will happen. Um, I think your instinct is right. I think it's just going to be at the um, at the back end of the cycle after politicians and after actors, actresses, after Hollywood. And I think the reason for that is because of the reporters who have been working on these kind of stories are, generally speaking, have more of a news, uh, political, or entertainment background. Are you saying this, are you saying this with some knowledge or? No, I, I, I think I'm just saying this as yeah, a person yeah. who like right. sort of just logically. There's no way that like that this situation has not happened in either professional oh, sports or well, the sports media. Check, it's just, checks, it's, checks it's, all the it's, checks it's, all the boxes. It's, it's, right. 
yeah, it's inconceivable to think that it has happened in other parts of society and not those parts. I just think that the the and again the my thought would be that the people who have looked into this, uh, there's reporters at the New York Times and the Washington Post who really sort of become specialists on this. I just think their circles are more politics, entertainment, um, and their you know the tips that they've received or the world that they're in. They're just not in the sports world. I do think eventually that we're going to see more of this stuff come out um, because you just th- there's no way that this sports world is not sort of has not been part of this. We saw. You know, we've seen a little inklings of it. Um, you know, yeah, Richardson. We have, not, we have not seen we have not seen anything on the scale of, uh, you know, Weinstein, Moonves. Oh, Spacey or, or know, right, Lauer. Yeah, Spacey. But Rose. it's coming. It's coming. Whether it's whether it's going to be a professional sports owner, whether it's going to be, um, uh, I mean, again, I'm not saying this with knowledge of something, but having talked to so many people in the business. I, I, we will see one in sports media, I think, sooner than later. I, I just I cannot see that 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 a big story from that world doesn't come out soon. What what who what is going to be the Monday Night Football? I mean, obviously it's a disaster. This test guy is fucking terrible. Yep. Um. What I guess they'll have tests and booger, and then they'll spend a bunch of money for some guy and have no idea if he's going to be good or not, like they always do. Is that going to be the plan? Well, I think the latest now is that it might just be Tess and Booger. Oh, they may geez. just go with they may just go with two people this year and then see how that group gels, and then you know think about if there's going to be any changes one year from now. Um, again, I think they were given a gift by the fact that Witten went back. Oh, no Cowboys, question. no question. To me, you know, at a base minimum, I would bring somebody else in uh, who just to sort of change up the. The booth, and to, and you have a chance to bring in someone like, and again, I've said this a million times. I think Lewis Riddick is their best uh, football analyst there. I think Kurt Warner would be great. I mean, they have a chance to bring in a, somebody pretty good, and I think they should do that at a minimum. But from what I've heard, they they are thinking about just going with McFarland and Tessator and seeing how that plays. I, I will say this, Kirk: there's no way the booth won't be better this year than last year, just because Witten Witten was so not ready for prime time. Well, here's the what I'm going to be better. Who's going to be better just with his elimination? I'll never understand for the life of me. I've done this three million times. So did, did they like spend any time like in the booth like before they hired, before they paid him millions of dollars? Did they ever find out if you know he was any good? Did they do it. Did they do a game? Did they do a couple of mock games. So there's a couple things here. One, they they throughout the time that like places like Monday Night Football, Sunday Night Football, CBS, Fox, they meet with people in production meetings during the course of the season. And Jason Witten was one of those people, when the broadcasters met with him, they really liked, thought he was honest, thought he was interesting. And, you know, they sort of marked down, here's a guy who potentially could be a broadcaster down the road if that's what he was interested in. When they find out Witten's interested, he does do a test game with ESPN along with the other 14 candidates. He hangs out with Tessator at Tessator's house. They do a whole sort of, you know, chemistry thing. Right, I read all and that. And it's very yeah. clear, I, I, and I have no doubt about this, it's very clear Witten probably away from the mic is you know a fun guy to either a fun guy to be with or you know everybody calls him Captain America. He's super polite. You know he he owns the room when he walks in. Good looking guy, etc. Blah 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 blah. So I think this is just my take. I think ESPN becomes like enamored with like the idea of Jason Witten. They love having this Hall of Fame type guy. He's a Dallas Cowboy. Tony Romo just had this massive success, so they're gonna get their own Tony Romo. And you are correct. Like, the one thing that, like, doesn't exist is he's just not very good. 
And so the the one question mark I would have, and this, by the way, I, I like Testor a lot, and I totally believe him when he tells me this. Everybody told me that Witten tested great. That, that I, I'm just trying to figure out how that's possible because when the red light went on, it wasn't there. Now, a lot of times, as broadcasters will tell you, and Kirk, you know this, sometimes people are just awesome, like away from a mic, mm-hmm. and then you put them in front of a mic, you put them in front of a television camera, and they freeze. Yeah, no, and, we, and we, it, we would it, do it that freaks, with... It freaks with their head. Right. We would do that so with... Maybe, uh, maybe that's what happened yeah. to Witten. We would do that with third guys in with our show. We'd, you know, you'd say, oh, this guy's kind of funny off the air, and he's got some stories. And then you bring him on the air, and he, I, I, that I totally get. It's just, you know, this colossal, insane screw-up. What? How many more years... Does that two questions? How many more years Al Michaels going to do this? And secondly, at what point does Tarico? Speaking of me too, at what point does Tarico get frustrated being sort of everybody's backup? I saw him this weekend. I watched a lot of the golf, the Players Championship. He's Dan Hicks's backup. He's sort of Al Michaels' backup. At what point does? And I know he's making a lot of money. Does Tarico get frustrated with sort of this insignificant role in the NBC mix? Well, I think it helps. Uh, I mean, listen, money does help. That's the one thing. Where where Tarico's really helped is that he has one thing that's a mega thing that's his own, and that's the Olympics. So that's he's right. got Costas one of the best. If you yeah, like yeah. the Olympics, and he does, he has one of the best jobs out there. He also has, you know, he has a football uh, uh, package that's his own, and that's Notre Dame. Again, it is not something yeah. in football, but it is something that's his. The, the thing that the, – the reason why this works is uh, Tarico and Michaels have a really good relationship. So I don't think Tarico is sort of somebody who, you know, behind the scenes is trying to sort of – push Al out of there. NBC also has done a pretty good job, at least in my opinion, uh, giving Tarico some games when they had Thursday Night Football, giving some Tarico some NFL games when Al's been away. If I'm right about this, uh, NBC has the Super Bowl coming up. Is it next year? They have the Super Bowl coming up pretty quickly, and I would not be surprised if, if that Super Bowl game is Michael's last game doing Sunday Night Football full-time, and that's when they make the transition. So I would just say this, Kirk. I have no doubt there's probably part of Tariko that's, like, frustrating, but, like, you know what? Like, to suck it up for two years to essentially get the best uh, broadcasting job in the NFL, which is to call primetime, you know, the NFL's best games every week on a Sunday. If you're Tariko, I feel like you just, you know, you suck it up for a couple of years, and then it's your job for 15. Am I stuck with boring Grand Hill again doing the Final Four? You are. Oh, you are Jesus. getting Grand Hill, but he sucks. Uh, you know, if you like Raftery, um, you know that will be there. And if you like Nance, why uh, not just have Nance? W- and, I, I, why not I just actually, have Nance and Raftery do it? Yeah, you know what? I, and I, I, and you know, personally, I, I think Nance and Raftery are great, great guys. I've really enjoyed dealing with them. But I'd be the first to say, like, that should not, if you are just being honest about what would be the best uh, college basketball announcing team that should do those games, it should be Harlan or Ian Eagle. Uh, or Brian yeah, Anderson, but, but, yeah, but, but, I mean, but Nance, college but, basketball but Nance callers than yeah, yeah, Nance. But, and I would say that uh, I got no problem with Raftery, actually. I feel like Raftery is a number one uh, analyst. But you know what happened? Nance cool. takes his dick out, and he's the, he's, he's the big guy at CBS. And that's is just it how, face of CBS? That's how, that's how it's, his job for, it's his job for as long as he wants. That That is just how those that's how it works sometimes. The best college basketball crew is is when he, when they're doing it is McDonough and Billis with Raftery. That's Love those not, guys. I mean, yeah, they, even... Unfortunately, we will never hear them call a game on TV. We we, we might be you know if you get the international call, the True. radio call or something. But yes, McDonough and Billis were great, and I give ESPN a lot of credit. You know, ESPN gets knocked a lot of times, but you know what? They were pretty smart. They decided to make Billis their number one guy and sort of move Vital into a, a you know sort of a more like a retirement package and. 
that you know that, that could have been more ugly than it was, but they 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 pulled that off pretty pretty nicely, and that's Bill. That's the right call. Billis is far and away the, the their best analyst, and more of a guy who fits in 2019 than you know Vital screaming about how great the Coach K is. I have never in my life, in my life, seen a television broadcaster, and I, I mean I was younger when Madden sort of got big, make the impact uh, in conversation in social media that 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 Romo has. Nobody ever. That's I don't even think it's a call. I don't even think it's a debate. I agree. I think uh, I you can almost. I mean I realize it's kind of crazy to say. I think there's an argument to be made that Tony Romo's the best NFL analyst of all time already, including oh, d- d- regardless d- d- of how long there's Madden's no, been there's, out there. There's I, no I don't think there's any argument. He's the best, yeah, he's I, the I best of all time. I respect Madden's impact. I was never the biggest Madden guy, but you're correct. No one has ever, no one has ever um, sounded or brought to an NFL broadcast what Romo has. And he, he essentially he did a number of things for CBS. One, he game-changed, I think, reputationally what you think of them because you always, I feel like, even if you like CBS, you kind of thought of them as old and stodgy mm-hmm. and conservative, and he changed that. Now it's like the hot broadcast. And the other thing, and this was amazingly an amazing thing, he revitalized, I feel like, Jim Nance. No question. Who, uh, probably by the end of the time with Phil Simms, just wanted to, you know, probably couldn't take it anymore. And now I think Nance wants to do football for another 10 years. Nance sounds refreshed. I mean, Jim Nance is making jokes in the NFL booth. Right. Um, that is a great team. Romo is far and away. He's the best working sports analyst on television now, and I would argue he's the best NFL analyst already of all time. That, uh, that that's the kind of hire you make that like is a, a once in a fifty year hire. I mean, CBC and CBS. Anyone who thinks CBS is going to let Romo go, they're insane. Well, what's his con- they, they what's will, his contract? They, they will what's figure his contract? out a way to make that work no matter what. You never let a talent like that go. What's his contractual situation? He's up in a year and a half. Um, I oh, this is a guess. That. I honestly don't know what he makes, but uh, let, let's sort of just say conservatively, he makes probably between like three and four and a half million dollars right now. He's going to make... be able to name his price, but I, I've talked to Tony a lot. He's a loyal guy. He loves working with the production crew that's there. That's the crew that basically worked with him uh, prior to his being on the air. It's the one he feels the most comfort with, and he's made 150 million dollars. So I don't feel like this is the guy who's going to be like, you know, CBS. If you don't pay me an extra million dollars, I'm leaving. It's just. That's, that's not – I think he's going to want a guarantee that he's going to be the number one guy, which I'm sure they're going to do. I'm sure he's going to want a certain raise, and he's going to get market value. But they're going to – I predict they will quietly in the next couple of months uh, let you know that Tony Romo has signed a multi-year extension. They're never – they're not letting that guy go. They what, will what, never see that guy, in my opinion, on the open market. What is Mark – so I know Gruden's gone. What's market value? Collinsworth making $5 million? Is Aikman yeah, making think, $5 million? Think, so Gruden supposedly made six and a half, right. seven, something like that. He might have actually gotten a raise in his last go-around. Uh, Collinsworth supposedly is in the uh, three to $5 million camp, so – uh, if Gruden set the mark, let's say, let, let's just say conservatively $7 million, I, I would think Tony Romo's getting $8 million and up per year, and he will be worth every every penny. It's wild. Absolutely wild. But, I mean, but then you think of it like, you know, the reality is is, is that Sunday night, that Sunday 425 uh, CBS package game, exactly. is, is also the biggest property CBS has. So whatever you're paying – Fucking um, uh, Jim Parsons or whoever. Correct. Romo's a bigger star than they. That's are. how. That's you. You're smart. That's exactly how you should look at it. Whatever, whatever, whoever CBS's highest paid entertainment talent is. I'm sure at one point it was Letterman. I'm sure it might be the cast of Big Bang Theory. Like whatever that whoever. is, Romo's worth more. No, but but the only, Romo, the only Romo argument is entertaining. 30 million people a week while those other shows are entertaining 15. Oh, the only argument I guess you can make conversely is if you take a big star off a sitcom, 
no one's going to watch it. If you take Romo off of Sunday 425 and put it. Yeah, I agree with that. But, yeah, that, that's true. Uh, but that's if I was his agent, I think right. you, you have to look at he is He is essentially the most important part of CBS's most important uh, television practice. And the other thing, the other, the other argument to make that the sports guys make, which I think is right, is the – you can you can highlight all your great programming on Sunday as a promotional tool. I don't know how great it is on the reverse. Like I don't know how great it is to promote Cowboys Patriots on Big Bang Theory. But the other way, huge. You know, you're getting 30 million right. people to promote all of CBS's lineup. That's pretty valuable. And also, yeah, and also gives 60 Minutes a massive lead in. Just oh to, yeah, just 60 to kick Minutes will, will never not be on the air as long as they do not move 60 Minutes from that spot. So last time we really talked, forget our conversation in November, maybe a year ago. I mean, ESPN was just a mess. I mean, there were just disasters left and right. Is ESPN, and I, I'll admit, I since I've been out of out of the morning sports world, I don't watch Get Up much. I don't pay that much attention. I mean, obviously, it's it's terrible. I, I know that without watching it. Is ESPN in better shape than they were, say, a year ago? Wait, you don't watch Get Up? I don't watch Get Up. So you're like 320 million other Americans. Can I just say that, can I, can I give ESPN, I, I never give them any credit. I actually like that basketball a love story documentary. They're, they're, they, yeah, they actually, shit like that, they do well. Features, actually. They're, right, they, they're that they still best, do well. They're probably best in class. In terms right. of where they are, well, the one thing that they've done is, you know, they've, they've done a great job of getting the narratives, the bad narratives, whether they were true or not, uh, out of there. Now, many people are talking about ESPN and politics anymore. They're, they have a, they're, they've improved their relationship with the NFL, which was essentially Jimmy Pitaro's biggest charter because they want to be in the business of the NFL. John Skipper was not an NFL guy. And so, yeah, I mean, what they've done is, you know, they calm the waters a little bit, and they're in a, they're in a better place. Um, their Monday Night Football package was up, so, as everybody else's were, so ratings-wise they got a good story. College basketball is up. You know, the thing, too, is they also, and this gets a little deeper in the woods, but, you know, they have a pretty good story on their streaming service. They got UFC, and they have a lot of people who have purchased that because they want to watch the UFC fight. So, yeah, what you're saying is totally true. They're in a better place right now, at least optically, one, uh, you know, today than they were one year ago. I mean, more, you know, one year ago, they're, they're, every other day they were in the news cycle, and, you know, including being called out by, like, the White House. So that's, you know, if you're a sports network, it's just not where you want to be. I just had a moment of clarity. You know, I've been so critical of Jamel, and she and I have battled on Twitter. She now blocked me. In a way, we're sort of cousins in that, you know, I would get in trouble all the time. I had trouble with the Red Sox, and it was trouble with the station. And getting rid of me has probably calmed things down, may not help ratings, but it's kept things quieter. Same with her. I almost, I think maybe I should call her and apologize. We're actually maybe kind of the same person. Yeah, well, yeah this, this is the first and last time I think I might hear the parallel that you two are the same. I know her much more. More, more than I know you, at least. This is a uh, moment of cl- I'm having uh, a moment personally. here. But it's good. It, this is good to see that, like, this sort of progress. a new Kirk taking shape and yes. maybe to yes. make amends for some things in the past. I mean, the show is fucking awful, but, I mean, still, I, we, I think we can maybe come to some moment. All right, I'll, I'll let you go. Well, not, well, she's, she's not an ESPN anymore, so... Yeah, what is she doing, anyway? What is she doing? You're not... Pro- she's, she's now a... Um, she's a staff writer for The Atlantic, has her own production company, and you'll see her doing, uh, I think... Uh, being part of some documentaries and and stuff like that, uh, you know, not to mention obviously sort of traveling the country, uh, talking to people. I, I, interestingly enough, uh, and again, uh, not to sort of put words in her mouth, but I think that the next chapter of her life is going to be far more satisfying than being on ESPN because at a certain point, I don't know about you, at a certain point, I do feel like 
even if you're getting paid a ton of money and even if you have sort of sports television fame, you're sort of like just talking about the same thing every day. Yes. You can, I can get a little bit. You sure can. You know what I mean? I don't know if monotonous is the right word. Or yes, like it is. Not satisfying. But well, you just feel you know, like, like you, I can just tell how you. Many, I, how right. many sports centers can you do? How many get-ups can you do? That's sort of how I can I just tell you from my end, I, I, I just stopped caring about a fucking Celtics game in February or Red Sox game. I just I, I didn't, I'm not saying I didn't care 10 years ago. I just don't. And going on and pretending to care about it. You just get, I get more, more I pissed get off. I will say this. I'm just sort of just to personalize it for one second, whether yeah. anybody who's listening even cares. But having moved to a new city, having moved to Toronto, I find myself actually loving sports that much more because all the stuff's new to me. Like the, the Raptors are new to me, the Maple Leafs are new to me, the Blue Jays are new to me, and it, it's helped. Where I, I, I can totally understand where you're coming from. You know, you're in the market for you know 15 years, and like you know another like uh, you know another Celtics uh, uh, Wizards game. I mean, it's hard to get up for that. Jeez. All right, I'll let you go. I'm sure you got things to do. We can. Oh, the podcast. Tell, tell everybody where to get the podcast. Yeah. The, well, thank you. I, I really didn't come on for any kind of promotion. That's not all, what you told me sports, before the show. Uh, the but sports that's media fine. podcast continues. Kirk Manahan was a guest of that podcast yes. uh, six months ago, and uh, the latest is Michael K. You, I know since you're a radio head, you I listen to it. I uh, listen to it. Michael K. Who, who was very, very honest in a ten, in a we, Michael K. And I went 45 minutes, but 15 of those minutes were about Mike Francesa and the the. Uh, in Kay's words, the lack of grace that Francesa has had over the years. It was it was pretty pretty honest and interesting stuff. So that's that's the latest on the sports media podcast. You know, a year ago I would have been way more critical of Kay for not hitting Dolan hard enough. But at the same time, you want to keep that relationship when the guy is that fucking loony. You want to keep having him on as much as you can. If that well, the one thing th- 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 this is what I think you were really good at, as well as Kay Kay is too, and I think the best radio people are. You, you just want to keep that guy in the room talking, yes. and he kept James Dolan, who does he not did. do a lot of media, for 47 minutes. Uh, I don't think the public knows how tough that can be because, you know, these are – you're right. These are, these are guys who one question goes the wrong way. They're off. They lose their minds. And then, uh, you, then you lose if, them forever. If, if, if you, in your position, in Kay's position, in Minahan's position, your job is to keep that guy on the air as long as you can because you basically own the city's – sports conversation that day when that person's on the air. Uh, I listened to, I think I was listening to Simmons with on that one with Brian Curtis the, the, the they did like one of those uh, media ones the other day and Simmons made a good point. Sometimes you just forget when you listen to the interview. Sometimes you just forget that some of these owners just got jobs from their dads and they're fucking crazy. Yes. It's fucking crazy. Like yeah. you, you, they, I, I, they get they get attached with the misters and the billionaires, and it's all bullshit. They're just fucking nuts. Well, again, not that either of us have experienced this, but if your ass is kissed for like fifty-five years, you essentially get everything you want in terms of all your desires. It's pretty hard to live in the real world. Yeah, you lose that. touch of reality. Yeah, it's true. All right, uh, thanks. So we'll, we'll have you on again soon. Three times, by the way. I appreciate podcast. that. Uh, I so, will. Uh, you know. We'll, 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 uh, when when you when you are uh, when your show is off and running, mm-hmm. uh, I wish you uh, I wish you the best of luck with that. All right, Rich, I'll talk to you. Thanks so much. Thanks, Kirk. See ya. See ya. Thanks. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.